Fuck me. Well, fuck me. Fuck me. Hello, foot nerds, and welcome to another installment of the Foot Me podcast, where we talk about all things mid-level, mid-tier, and just plain mid in this game. We play the ultimate team universe. I am your host, TJ, and today on this weekend wildcard edition, we are taking on the final review of the finals of the FC Pro uh, Open. Uh, we've been covering all the group stages, and now we are to the you know, ultimate kind of conclusion of uh, this particular tournament with uh, the finals that took place on Saturday. And we uh, had a wonderful group of games. If you had a chance to watch it, if you watched it live, whether you wanted packs or not that had absolutely nothing in them, you got to see some really good games. If you just throw it on in the background, listen to some of the commentary, you know, it is what it is. But um, out of this set of games, I think there's a couple that are well worth going back and watching. Unfortunately, I'm going to spoil the living crap out of them because we're going to talk pretty much in detail about each of the matches uh, of note and that were of particularly close. But before we get into all of those games individually, what was happening? What were we playing for? What was the setup? And then we'll get into the actual results. So uh, the final was a quarterfinal, so top eight advanced. Uh, We already talked a little bit about those matchups, which we'll uh, get into even more. The uh, single elimination. So in this instance, there was extra time and penalties uh, as a possibility. The format was an unlimited budget that had to include four SBCs in your starting lineup. And so this meant there was definitely some similarities amongst all the teams with a few kind of uh, wild cards here and there, and the benches were loaded. I believe um, it was mentioned that uh, we were talking 120 million coin teams um, that showed up in this particular instance. So as you can imagine, when we've been looking at, you know, 10, 15 million was our, our cap. Um, you got a good chunk of the team of the year. So some of you that face team of the year loaner teams, essentially that's what they were doing, except they weren't loans because they get unlocked accounts. Anyway, um, the SBC portion was definitely the uh, kind of linchpin. Like, what were you going to do with those four SBC players? And we saw a pretty uh, consistent um, element uh, out of them. Uh, most of them ended up being on the de- defensive end um, in terms of keepers, for example. There were four uh, Loris that were the SBC and four Schmeichel, um, who did not have a great day necessarily he was a representative in the final uh, but at the same time he also had one of the biggest mess ups of the day I think in Obrin's game if I'm not mistaken but um, there were uh, three Maldini center backs which 
you know, at a 92, but Maldini is a very specific kind of body type and style. There were uh, maybe some times in which people thought he underperformed. Uh, Cafu was right back in five of the eight games. Um, in the midfield, you saw Sawa in two, Bruno's SBC was in five, and then uh, Davies at left back was in seven of the eight teams. So uh, Tio Hernandez played uh, in that role, either as a starter or came off the bench um, and uh, performed admirably in a number of these games. So in terms of the uh, the non-SBC cards, we had eight Mbappe team of the years, as you might imagine, we had eight uh, team of the year VVDs. Um, there were seven Putelises and seven Hollands in the starting squad. And if they weren't, they were on the bench. Um, seven, I mean, not seven, six uh, KDBs um, in the midfield, which uh, at the beginning was a point of uh, interest because some folks had played with him and didn't really find him all that great. And we're trying to figure out why he was, you know, such an integral part, but it really is his passing ability to kind of control and quarterback the field that uh, these guys really took advantage of uh, over the course of this. You had R9 in six teams as well up top, usually, you know, with your, your Hollands and stuff Uh, Four Bellinghams in the midfield did not play a very prominent role or stand up or have any particular kind of highlights. Unlike some of these, these other folks um, that uh, put in quite a bit of work. Of course, at the end of the day, most of these goals are being scored as they're intended by your Mbappe or your striker kind of position. Um, You didn't see nearly as many of the uh, Travella slash outside of the box. Uh, Some of that based, I think on the style of these particular players, it also kind of goes to show that, even if there is a element like that, whether it's a finesse shot or a Travella, it's the fundamental aspect of getting high percentage shots in front of goals that pros are looking for. And so, um, and they are not frequently off of the high press direct turnover. Now I get an easy one like I, and maybe some of you give up constantly with that kind of high press stuff, but they're still able to push up and create those mixed matches versus, you know, that kind of half court set um, types of plays, but they're able to still generate space within those environments too. I think that's some of the stuff, you know, it's easy to watch and see folks, you know, they take off, they make a skill move, they pass, boom, they nailed it. Um, but being able to watch how somebody is when they're not breaking away, because breaking away has a lot to do with stick skills, mechanic, you know, clearly decision making, which is a large portion of the program, knowing how to deal with that. Um, you know, Anders, for example, doesn't do a lot of skill moves, but the ones he does, he's very good at, knows exactly what they're going to do. Um, they, you know, are used to move direction. You don't see him, um, do a whole lot of step overs into a tackle like I constantly do. And so those are, you know, processes and just elements that it's hard to kind of get across just watching it. How can I do that? But seeing how they use those elements again, I think are, are important. Um, just to finish up uh, some of the lineup stuff, uh, Ham was in two of the clubs. Hanson only made it into one of them. Um, the Kim was 28 to 32 and, 
the more I think about it, I'm not sure how managers play into the tournament format. If they even are an option, I think you just build the team and you have the chemistry based on the people that you put in. There is not the uh, manager kind of bump. So that's why we find that uh, the vast majority was 28 to 32. Couldn't quite get up to to 33 on those. Um, Seven of the eight started out. Now, this is probably just for squad building because they don't talk just a whole lot about switching um, and what formations they're in. There was some discussion about Anders, you know, using the uh, 4-4-2 and kind of uh, falling into, you know, being unusual and unique doing that because the 4-3-2-1 dominated uh, the competition from the start and probably in the game. Plus, as mentioned, you can make the 4-3-2-1 play like a 4-4-2 in terms of the instructions. And so those are the types of things uh, that you'll see a lot of people are talking about online. So um, and to be honest, uh, you know, if you're a pro, you're not trying to get the AI to do a lot for you. You're trying to get them to be in position so that you can utilize them. Right. So that's one of the reasons why like higher end players might find direct passing uh, better than forward runs. But if you have uh, are challenged and trying to like trigger all the runs or you would like a little assistance, that's where forward runs can help you is that they're auto triggering some of that. Now, the problem is that because it auto triggers, maybe it triggers when you don't want it to, or it's not triggering when you do want it to. And those are the kinds of things that you're giving up that control. And if you are a pro level player who is keeping track of a million different things at a time, you're not asking the AI to do that kind of work for you. You're just trying to get them in positions, know that where they're kind of going to be, and then you work uh, from there. They're not trying to, you know, find the tactic that will exploit and win the game because none of them will against this level of competition. And to be honest, against most levels of competition, even if you're flea flicker style, like, tactic you know mumbo jumbo gets you like a goal here or there that may be a difference in winning in div five six hell even four uh you know a game or two here or there because of such small margins but you will not see them rely on that with that in mind i think that's a lot that we can actually take away from you know maybe we're trying to over tactic over instruction some of our players and so that might be something you could also kind of uh take away from that um just the last bit in terms of setup uh of course this goes to a quarterfinals and as i anticipated and uh, with the production they did do um you know two quarterfinals games at a time um, following a main game and then being able to switch over. And they did a little bit better job with it. They had fewer, you know, plates spinning balls in the air, if you will. So I think it was easier for them to, you know, take care of some of that and to be able to, to share a little bit of both games uh, as that went. And then, of course, once they got to semis, it was all one-offs and you could, you could focus, which definitely is, uh, you know, going to give you the the best experience um if you won this quarters match then you were in the top four and getting to semis meant you qualified for the world championships which is really what they were looking at granted i mean there's an eighty thousand dollars on the line if you win um things along those lines but for the most part getting to semis I think was a, a goal for a chunk of these folks. And I think that actually reared its head in, in one of the semis matches and, and we'll talk about it, but just getting into the top four, winning that first quarters match was most of their goals. And then after that, it was playing with house money seemed to be kind of um, the attitude that uh, a lot of them were, were going in with. Now, 
It's not everybody. Um, they were able with only eight uh, people participating. Of course, Casey and the others were on uh, hand to do some interviews and ask some questions and get some feedback. And, you know, Anders came in saying that he felt as confident as he's ever felt going into a game, into like a match uh, or a tournament or a tournament day, whatever the case may be. Others, you know, were, you know, you know, everybody respected who they were playing against. Everybody went in confident. Everybody was, you know, talking about, you know, doing well, but a lot of them were focused on just getting to the semifinals. So, um, with that, uh, we'll kind of shift over before we get into the individuals. I just had a couple of notes about the production, right? One, they added studio audience members. Um, this was interesting in a couple folds. Clearly, they have a relatively small studio. They brought in some risers, I want to say three or four rows deep, kind of shove folks in there. You know, clearly not the arena format or types of things that you might see in some of the, um, you know, other esports things. But of course, this is just uh, the beginning um, and trying to see how well it went, how big it went. I also think that like your Overwatch leagues and some of those may be overextended by trying to push the live, you know, this is a one day or a one week or a one weekend kind of event that you put too many resources, too much effort, too much money and capitalization into that. Whereas focusing on the players, getting in a live studio audience for energy, but weren't able to kind of make it arena style. I would assume that as we get closer and like, this is very much a test balloon for what we're going to see for the world championships. Of course, the weird part about that is it'll be taking place in the summer when a lot of people fall off of the game. Cause they're like, Oh, it's silly season. Of course, FC 24, new uncharted territory, we'll see. But I would anticipate an upgraded uh, kind of boosted version of, of what we saw here as uh, we go. Now, before we get to the world championships, uh, you know, we do have all the E Premier League, E Serie A, E Eredivisie, all of those, because the winners of those also qualify for the world champions. So that's now going to be the focus. You're going to see a number of those games being played. It's now objectives that you can earn within the game. I think there's like 200 days on it to be able to unlock the different um, organizations, um, you know, jerseys and, and stuff like that to just kind of promote that under the FC Pro tab. So um, we're going to see some more integration and things like that. But uh, the weird part is that this FC Pro tournament functions as kind of, you know, the the open. This is our U.S. world global open, if you will. Then you have all the individual, um, you know, leagues going. And then at the end of that, we're going to have the big global world championship that you had to qualify for via these other kinds of ways. So where we start out the year with everybody gets a chance to try to be a pro, and then you either get in the FC pro tournament on an E-team or some version of that. And then those become the gatekeeper for the final tournament. That's why I think a lot of the, the pros this year who weren't able to get in or get on a team are like, well, my season's over already, whereas there wasn't really i think in the past there have been other opportunities to play into some of these tournaments and things along those lines so we'll see um if this is a mechanism they stick with i have a feeling based on scheduling and what they put together um there may be some tweaks here or there but that this could fundamentally be like the the mode and method they plan on going forward 
Can they integrate 2v2 in here somehow? Can we get back to like having multiple? Because last year, I think maybe one of the concerns, uh, maybe feedbacks from the pros is like the 2v2 and the 1v1 was too much. But there's just 2v2 is so cool. Um, uh, But typically, like, you know, we're talking about all of these players, you know, playing with a partner not necessarily bringing in a whole lot of new players. So I don't, I don't know if it's just uh, it's a bandwidth. It's a, a matter of time. You don't want to burn those folks out. It's also travel budgets and things like that. If you're talking about land. And so I think they had to make a decision and they focused on the single player. I think if they find that this was, you know, helped engagement or drew folks into the game or got people more involved that maybe EA opts to like shoot a little bit more funds there and offset and help in that gap so that these organizations aren't on the hook for all that. But, you know, it's that's data we'll never we'll never see and know. I know I enjoyed this. I thought this competition was great. I thought this particular Saturday was fantastic group of games. Um, and uh, why don't we uh, get into to talking about that right now? Well, actually, I will say this, um, just a, a little bit of shilling. Um, for those of you that have uh, gone to, you know, extremegame.com and have found, uh, or extremerate.com and have gotten, um, you know, controller upgrades or things like that and use the foot me uh, at checkout, thank you so much. Uh, if you want, I would be great if you would, uh, you know, shoot me a picture of whatever you got or did or upgraded. Maybe uh, send it to my at TJ underscore WHIZ on X uh, and I would uh, forward that along or love to talk about it. Kind of see how that that went for you. Hopefully it was a positive experience. If it wasn't, let me know that because, you know, I'm I'm truth to power here. Also, uh, I am uh, anticipating that today my Valari gaming pillow gets here. I've had a uh, listener, uh, Rob, actually reached out to me and said that he has one and loves it and says that I'm going to love it. And so based on the word of a, a you know, loyal listener, uh, you know, there's only like three of y'all. So, you know, we probably are all in the same boat. Um, I will uh, go ahead and assume that, that he is right and that I'm going to enjoy this. I will talk more about it. But again, um, whether you sit in a chair or on a couch or on the edge of a bed, uh, this can be a, a way to kind of increase your posture and uh, decrease some back pain, possibly if you're you know old enough and playing games, if you're young or whatever. It's a pillow. Get a pillow. Pillows are cool. You can hit somebody with it. They have embroidery on it if you like that kind of thing, too, I think. But uh, again, that's Valari. Uh, if you use Flip Me at checkout, I think you get a discount there, too. But we'll be talking more about that as we... Uh, you know, as I get to play around with it. But speaking of playing around, let's talk about the quarterfinals of this FC Pro Tournament. So um, single elimination. So you had eight folks. So there were four uh, rounds. And so the first game, uh, they had uh, Yilmaz and Obrin play each other, um, followed by with uh, also uh, PH Zinn and Abu Makar um, in that first one. Then Levy and Umut, uh, and then Anders versus Young. And so in the first quarterfinal, they were focusing really on the Yilmaz and Obrin. Uh, and uh, Yilmaz got up 3 0 real quick. R9 had a hattie for him. He was playing great. Um, and, uh, in, you know, as you fall behind, you see more of the high pressing coming. And then we saw that that, you know, kind of shifted a little bit of the game. And so then Obrin started putting in some goals um, and definitely got Yilmaz nervous. I think 
um, you know, early on, get those early goals, you feel kind of confident, other person gets a little bit down, then is able to like get another couple. Um, and then by the time that you've kind of like gotten yourself back and gathered and you're like, okay, let's go get this. And now I'm going to be aggressive and, you know, nothing to lose. You know, then he was able to put in three, um, which I think had an impact on Yilmaz, um, even though he was able to win the game. I think he was really, he was one in particular that I feel was like his goal was the semis. Um, and so I think, you know, between the way this game went and how it finished, put him in a mindset going into the semis that turned out um, that, uh, you know, it did not necessarily play as great for him. But, um, you know, did well, was very excited, was, you know, qualified for world champions, uh, you know, was a, a good game and one you can watch uh, part of it's, again, the first one on the, the big presentation. If you want, you can go back on YouTube. It's a three hours and some odd minutes. Um, I think for the whole presentation, maybe four, um, but, uh, you know, fast forwarding, skipping through, you can, uh, you know, watch these all pretty easily. And then they've got a couple that are set aside on the actual FC pro site. Um, if you wanted to check that out, um, the other quarters with uh, PH Zen and Abu Makar was, you know, a great one. Um, you know, I had mentioned last week that I thought PH Zen was on the the biggest role. He kind of had a letdown in the uh, day two group two stuff, but he'd already built such a lead. You know, that's something where, you know, are you conserving a little bit of your emotion and energy? He got through no problem, was still top of the, the table, was, you know, just offensively, he's been just great. Um, and I think this game um, is very much geared for the offense. Matter of fact, I, this was early on. I think in the presentation, I think maybe it was whenever Casey was interviewing somebody, but essentially asked, you know, is this more offense or defense or it kind of came up. And the point was made that one of the, and I forget, forgive me, I forget who he referenced, but, um, you know, the pros who know who really is good or not, like they are the ones that deal with each other on a daily basis. They practice against each other, play against each other. You know, they know what's going on. Their coaches talk, all that. Say so that the best defensive player in EAFC right now is not in the tournament, right? Did not advance. And that the folks that are really excelling are those that are like final third demons, you know, have an offensive kind of go mentality. And so I think that is indicative of the game. It's not any different than NFL football, which makes it easier to throw the ball, right? Which is not any different than NBA that makes it easier to try to score. Like we know that people like to watch folks score. It's the fun part. You like scoring. And so, you know, if you are an offensive minded player, um, that's great. If you're someone who default like me is more defensive, um, then that makes it a bit more of a challenge. And so we're kind of seeing that play out and, you know, who's excelling or not. So um, if you're wondering what should you focus on? Offense, offense, offense. You know, they say defense wins championships, but I don't think they play EAFC. Anyway, so uh, PHN and Abumacher, uh, you know, Abumacher was the guy that I said had like ice in his veins, uh, was, you know, just, you know, was able to get through his stages, uh, both of the groups without, you know, you know, in a very methodical way. And I thought, you know, had the mentality and the mindset to do well in this format because you're going to go down and can you come back and do you get all wrapped up in things, stuff like that. And so um, in this particular one, um, Abumacher actually um, goes up. Uh, uh, I think he, he won first and then uh, was able to pull it even at 2-2. Um, 
And then uh, at three, two, uh, Zim was able to, to bring it even, I think, to uh, get it up to a three, three, if I'm not mistaken. And then um, they finished up with, uh, you know, a last minute and by last, I mean, actual last minute kick um, to be able to, you know, win four, three in that game. So um, almost all of these, like there wasn't a single match that uh, had a player scoring less than four games, uh, four goals. So a little bit more prolific than maybe uh, some of the earlier. Of course, when you have these kinds of teams and like 120 million coin team, there's only so much Michael and Larice are going to be able to do um, in these uh, circumstances. So if you were going to watch a game, I would would say that uh, PH Zen and Abumacher quarters was a great one, and I think it's one that you can you know track down and look at individually. But man, it was awesome. Um, Levy, uh, you know, ended up playing Umut. Uh, Umut, of course, the reigning world champion, and was given you know a lot of cred going into to this. And there was a lot of folks pulling. That's also Anders's teammate. You know, they won the two v uh, when they did the the two v two last year. Um, but uh, Levy who has been solid all the way up, uh, ended up dominating uh, this game as much as, you know, one can dominate, of course, up and down, but ended up uh, finishing off a a 4-1 victory. So disappointing if you're an Umit fan, um, and he clearly was uh, not, you know, pleased about it, but, you know, took it in stride and, you know, was disappointed that he did not get his auto qualification, but I think we'll see that he'll, he'll be in the world championships, uh, out of whether he Bundesliga or whatever there, we will see him, uh, again, and I'm sure this will come up. Um, and then, of course, in our final quarterfinals was uh, Young versus Anders. Now, Young, also Brazilian, uh, they made a note of this, that he was out uh, in the crowd during uh, uh, PH Zen's match. And, of course, very high intensity, last-minute win, lots of excitement and energy. And so he was very caught up in that. And so there was some thought on the commentary booth that, you know, he has to kind of gather himself and is that going to help or hurt? Is he going to be emotional in a good way or a bad way? Things like that. So anyway, um, but you're playing Anders Bergen, who is also one of the best players, the only person so far in this whole group that hadn't lost a game yet. And so, um, uh, young starts off quick and actually takes the lead is very excited. And you could see that, uh, you know, there was, you know, some, some folks in the the stadium who do are not fans of Anders, which we're going to talk about uh, a little bit more uh, in terms of haters and so forth, but um, took a quick lead uh, and folks were, you know, thought, you know, Oh, this could be it. Are we going to have multiple Brazilians going? But that didn't last very long because Anders responded and then kept responding and ended up uh, winning the game uh, five, three. So, uh, those those three goals that Young got uh, were kind of, you know, after the fact he would get within a goal or whatever, but Anders was able to kind of answer back and, and, and stay ahead in, in that one in typical, like, Anders fashion. So, um, you know, played up to the cameras in the crowd, did his little things, and as much as people out there are like, oh, you know, he's a jerk or he's toxic, I don't see, I see him telling like the crowd to be quiet or looking at the camera stuff. I think of that as more like, you know, WWF, WWE, sorry, wrestling. Um, and just kind of, you know, some personality and some like, you know, kind of whatever he didn't ever like look over at his opponents or say anything. He wasn't, you know, I mean, he does his little kind of at the beginning, he does a gritty thing, but not like during the matches. I mean, um, you know, I don't watch him stream. I watch him stream some, I get that, 
you know, he's intense and that he like, you know, speaks his mind and, you know, that he lets his emotions out and that uh, when he's sad, he's sad. And when he's not, he's not. And that, you know, some folks think that he should be more reserved. And look, you if you've listened to me, because I mean, since like two of you listened to this one. So if you have listened to me, you know, I hate celebrations. I hate that toxicity. I think, you know, being a gracious winner um, is important, but I also think that, uh, you know, playing, you know, some entertainment to add to the engagement and some personality based on these folks that are playing is important. Unlike an athlete where you can kind of see their personality on the court, on the field, the way they do, the way they act after play, stuff like that. We're like, yeah, go intensity. In this instance, I think it's relatively similar. I would go as far to say that, uh, you know, the folks that are, I think there are other things that make people target Anders and to a degree bully him and the idea that he is really good at something, but then y'all have other reasons to make fun of him, I think plays a lot into this. And um, it bothers me. It's actually, you know, despite... I mean, much younger. Uh, there are definitely folks that are far more closer to, to to my A, you know, my style of play. Not really. You know, is he a little like over the top, you know, at times? But I have to say, I, you know, after watching this, I've actually become a fan of him and hope that there is more of him and more of that kind of style. I also hope that the folks that are in the pro scene are kind of understanding that he is young and developing and that they aren't taking it too serious and they're taking under your wing and just having a fun time with him and not seeing this as some kind of, you know, you know, machismo or just, you know, toxicity. I, we need this kind of personality. I don't think from just looking at, no, I've not interacted with him. I don't know Anders from a hole in the ground, but I don't get the impression that he is like, you know, a, jerk of an individual he has a very you know some particular mannerisms and a way to go uh the way that he interacts and things and some people like it and some people don't and it's a little awkward and you know is he you know to falls under nerd culture of a negative even though all of us play a video game and have way too much time to invest in it so it's kind of like that's the pot calling the kettle black in my mind so um i would just say that uh if if you know, if you are like, I don't like Anders, like why, you know, what is it? And if it's like, cause he acts out stuff like that at the same time, you need people that you don't like, you need rivals, you need heels. And if that's what he serves for you, so be it. Um, but you know, there were some people that loved Ric Flair, some people that hated Ric Flair. And I think, you know, I just more or less told you that Anders is Ric Flair. So woo! You want to beat the best, you know, you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And so we'll see how that plays out because Anders did advance to semis. Speaking of semis, you're probably wondering if I was ever going to get there. Uh, Yomaz and PH Zen had a match and it got away from Yomaz quick. Again, I think uh, I alluded to this as, uh, you know, kind of hot start. Bella, you know, kind of let his opponent get close to him in quarters, I think maybe shook him. I think he was excited and kind of thought, I want to qualify for the World Cup. And he did. And now he's like, okay, uh, he just, there's a letdown there. If your goal is to get there, when you get to your goal, it's hard not to be like, whew. You know, this is why like repeating in any other kind of, 
national championship, things like that. It's like, if you've been to the mountaintop, then, you know, a lot of times you just are, are happy that you got there. Um, are you going to try to, you know, drive the same way and do all the same stuff to get there again? That takes a level of mental fortitude and commitment that not every organization or individual can muster. And so um, I think uh, we saw that kind of play out here, human nature wise. So PH Zen was able to, uh, you know, get up early. Uh, you know, Yomez got a couple of goals back, but this thing was done before halftime. The other semis, on the other hand, not the case. Um, this is Anders and uh, Levy. Levy had been having a great tournament. You know, uh, this is uh, Team Hullet uh, was the second Team Hullet uh, player that uh, Anders faced in a row, and uh, it was a great game. It had everything. There was drama. There was messing with the crowd. There was playing to the camera. Anders' mom was on the broadcast. They showed her. Um, you know, uh, also this kind of speaks to the idea. A lot of these folks brought a friend. Like PH Zen had his like girlfriend with him and like his brother and things like that. And so they brought their support staff, their close kind of personal support folks. And that's who were also helped fill out a uh, part of the studio and things backstage. Anders' mom preferred to, to stay backstage. Uh, for that. They even asked her some questions. She's like, I wish he would calm down a little bit, but she's proud of him. Um, and so I think that also speaks to just the age and the maturity. And again, my fear of, you know, I don't, I'm not sure just how social um, he is. And I do think that, you know, EAFC, and this is a bridge to that. And so that I hope that uh, those of us in the community uh, can help give him a little bit of uh, confidence in like being able to talk outside of that. I know most of his streams are just him playing, um, but I think, uh, you know, him getting out of his comfort zone, talking a little bit more, streaming a little bit, you know, more interviews, things like that, just being able to kind of interact and do that would be a, you know, a benefit. We would love it. I think it'd be great to kind of see his personality and things like that and also give him some, you know, confidence beyond that of, you know, on the sticks, which he clearly has. Anyway, if you go to the full length YouTube video, um, you're going to see that at three hours, 10 minutes and 24 seconds is when this semifinal starts. And man, I'm telling you, it is worth watching. At one point, Anders is up 4-1, um, but it turns out to be like a, there, it's a 3-4 game at the 73rd minute mark. Um, you really see how the second half, you got the high press um, and uh you know, that's kind of, you know, forced upon to try to like turn the tides around. You see how Anders handles it, which I think is also something that we can take away from it. Um, that kind of confidence and composure. Uh, you're not trying to like shoot it up the field as soon as possible, even though that is his play style. So it's waiting for the right time for those incisive passes um, and the way that you work the ball around and things like that. So, um, but yeah, if you were going to go back and watch a game, Anders Levy semifinals would be one. The second one is the finals. And how often does that really happen? You know, how frequently in these tournaments do the best games happen in quarters or semis and the final is a blowout or whatever? That is not what happened here. This finals match will be one that I think goes down in, you know, the annals of like what a match, whether it ends up being something that they look forward, looking back to, to be like, did this catapult HP's in to a place where he, you know, just kind of gets on a roll um, and becomes like, you know, the best player or widely considered the best player in FC and FC 24 
we'll see. Is this going to be the moment where Anders, like, you know, this is going to be the thing that builds that maturity for him to get over that kind of hump? You know, they've won uh, 2v2 stuff. Is his level of maturity, you know, kind of, is he going to take this well? Does this lead to, you know, a cascading event of, you know, a lack of confidence or some issues in there? Um, I will say that uh, this was, you know, the most back and forth game that uh, we saw. It ended up, uh, you know, we were, it was down, it was 5-5 um, at, at the end of it. So, um, showed off uh, their offensive sp- play styles, you know, how being aggressive and how to kind of take advantage of that. It was more like, you know, less mistakes were being made and more like e- good execution you know you're not seeing german crosses we're not seeing that you know these are like passes and patterns and runs that are creating good opportunities um that resulted in 11 total goals um phn started off first goal um you know in the final third he may be one of the best attackers uh right now they mentioned that on the broadcast as well like i said he is just a demon um there anders of course answers right back boom one one tied up does a little shush the crowd, does a little hands out and things like that. Um, you know, nothing directed towards PH Zen. I'm just going to point that out real quick. You know, he talked, he looked at the camera, he did his little thing, but he was, none of that was directed at his opponent. Just like, you know, people were like, you know, clearly uh, there was a bit more of a Brazilian contingent um, and a bit more support in studio for PH Zen. And so I think, you know, he felt and heard that. And also, you know it going in well before that, like all the behind the scenes stuff that we aren't even privy to, like the pros know um, what's going on. They can read the room. They feel, you know, that kind of electricity there um, that we can only kind of glean a little bit from watching it on screen. So um, after, uh, you know, Oh, I will. I did want to also point this out. It just in turn, I know it sounds like I am just Anders fanboying and like super apologetic for him trying to like, you know, say that he's, you know, great or whatnot. But what I did want to point out is if you watch a streamer that doesn't talk to their camera, doesn't even have a camera on versus streamers that interact with their audience, that say things that get emotional ups and downs, you know, which one of those are more successful? And the answer is the latter. And so I think if, we know that's true in our own lives and in the way things work, then we should embrace and be on board with seeing more animation and more of this kind of, you know, this uh, attitude and personality being able to be shown as they play versus robot, look at, do thing, you know, keep all that. Like I know they have to keep their emotions in check, but at the same time, you know, it's entertainment as much as it is competition. And so how can we combine those two so that we're excited about what's going on and they're getting the job done and not feeling like they're like leaving skills on the table or unable to, you know, compete, um, at a full level that they would like to compete at. Um, Anyway, uh, second half, PAG takes a, a 2-1 lead, um, and then Anders answers, uh, you know, uh, at that point, they're 2-2. There were a couple of opportunities for PH Zen to maybe pull ahead, but had a couple red time shots, um, probably starting to get a little bit of, you know, oh, how this is going, and, oh, I'm in a position, I'm about to go up. You know, the same kind of nerves that we get, you know, trying to, like, win a Div 6 game, you know. Um, so, uh, 
in the second half, um, pH uh, comes out with an equalizer and then actually right after that um, goes ahead. The thing that pH Zen was doing that I didn't notice other folks doing as much is uh, his team of the year Holland was not a goal scorer as much as he was a giant aerial like pivot. Um, it reminded me a lot of volleyball. What he would do is go in, you know, to the the side, and then he would uh, do a lofted through ball, or not a lofted through ball, just like a you know lofted pass over um and then uh holland would head it usually towards graham and then uh they would try to finish there so we're not trying to score headers with holland but would rather control and then pass uh to somebody else in the box that then had a high percentage shot and so if you find yourself uh you know whipping things in and you're not able to kind of put it away like is there a pass that's available maybe you know don't you know go for goal is there a way that you can pass that off because because that was like two uh, or three of the biggest goals PH in over the course of this tournament was done in, you know, uh, lofted ball to Holland, Holland passed to Graham in the box, Graham able to finish. So, uh, or Hanson, whoever when you call her, you know, you get three names, you get called three things. So anyway, um, then uh, Anders answers right back instead of falling apart. This again is what made the, a lot of times this is where these types of games would, would fall apart, right? You know, oh, you know, uh, we're tied and then you go or you're up and then you're tied and then they're ahead. And then you're like, oh, is this just going to keep coming? But Anders puts his finger in the dike boop, um, and gets it uh, to, uh, you know, five, five, um, does the crowd thing, whatever. And then in the very last kick in extra time, um, you know, this Holland Graham combo comes out and ends up, uh, winning PHZ, the game, uh, the tournament, uh, the whole kit and caboodle, at which point he stands up, tries to gritty, then takes off his glasses so he can gritty at Anders. Now, look, this also goes to prove my thesis that folks don't like Anders, not because of the way he acts or stuff, but because they see him as somebody that they would, you know, they, he's different and they want to bully him and he doesn't fall under this exact version of what we would see when it comes to stuff. Does he speak his mind? Does he say things in interviews in a other language than is his native language? Like he's engaging in ways that we just do not give him credit for. Right. And then we're like, oh, he's a jerk. He's got a punchable face, abba, daba, daba. And then his opponent stands up, looks directly at him, and then does a celebration at him. And they're all like, oh, way to go. You show him. Like, how can those two things rectify themselves? How can you both be all like, I don't like that he celebrates and talks to the crowd and does all this other stuff, but you're okay when his opponent stands up and does it at him? As they say on the broadcast, drops the celly on his head. Now, again, if we like the presentation and we're like, that's what we're looking for and all those types of things, then, you know, that's, that's fine. But my point is, is you can't be all mad at one because they're like, Oh, he acts like a jerk and does all these things and goes beyond and blah, blah, blah. But then his opponent does that. You're like, Oh, well, it's because of all the things Anders did to who? Like, where are these things? Like, I would love to know, other than, like, talking to the camera and doing whatever. Now, there was the idea that he looked at the camera and said, like, he's not even good. Um, and that that's like, oh, my God, you toxic piece of crap. If you honestly think <laughs> that Anders Bergang in the final of the FC Pro Tournament thinks that F 
that pH Zen isn't good, like you're just dense, right? Like that's just like the like, you know, you suck, right? You're like, I got this. Like that's he's as much saying those things out loud to internally motivate himself. And it just kind of it's there and it's funny and you take it with a grain of salt or you're like, whatever. He wasn't like, you know, he's an idiot or he's terrible. He wasn't mad. He wasn't throwing stuff. You know, even after getting great, all that stuff, he, you know, he was disappointed and kind of down, but he, he, you know, he, you know, was gracious in defeat as much as you can be in those instances. And I just think that's, uh, you know, largely over overlooked. And I think frequently he is the uh, brunt of some attacks that he does not need to be the brunt of. And so anyway, but at the end of the day, what a tournament. I know some of the group stages might've been like, Oh, it went on so long. You know, the idea that people are excited about their Evo cards or not their Evo, but their FC pro purples, which I've stopped even talking about the last two times. Cause who gives a rip? Um, if you've got one, congrats. And if you don't, you know, you're like, why well, I, I want blue purple can suck it. So, um, anyway, that's uh i have to you know if, if you don't watch anything else if you for whatever reason stumbled into this you're like oh i thought this was a normal podcast instead you're talking about this stupid fc pro stuff odds are you didn't get to this part of the podcast and not care about it but man if you haven't watched it i would i would say that it is it is worth throwing on in the background or watch a couple of them that they've uh, a couple of the matches that they've uh, set aside you can watch directly um, and not have to go through the whole presentation. But man, I thought it was great. So um, with with that in mind, you know, where, uh, you know, we'll be on a little break from our from, you know, Wimby and, you know, Casey and the whole like kind of crew, um, you know, we'll be getting into some E whatevers as that comes. But I did want to let you know that uh, next week, our weekend wild card session is going to be a uh, uh, different. It's our, our first uh, grill session. And what I mean by that is I have a super secret special guest that I will interview from the FC EAFC community. Um, and we're going to talk some, uh, you know, some foot, what, uh, got them into it, you know, what they're doing online, how that's going. And so I think that's something that you might want to check around. I believe it is someone that most of you will know. It is not Martin 88. I'm not, you know, I know that he's been my guest. This is going to be my second guest. So, um, if you want to come to the groundbreaking, uh, weekend wildcard grill session, that will be, uh, live next weekend. So make sure you, uh, you check that out, uh, followed by some other grill sessions and eventually getting back into some E whatevers or, or whatnot, as we see. Matter of fact, if any of you out there in uh, cyberspace, if you're one of the, you know, if, if you, if you're a listener that has an idea, um, you know, shoot it to me. I'm at TJ underscore whiz on X. You can shoot me a direct message or you can at me if you wanted to do that. But uh, any ideas that you have for um, stuff that you would like to hear on the pod or, or talk about, I would, uh, you know, you know, certainly uh, be willing to outsource my, you know, content creation. If you have an idea, I would, you know, love to you know, take advantage of it, give you some credit and then use it to fill my time. But if not, you're like, I'm not here to work for you, sir. I just want to listen. Well, then make sure you drop back by. Um, we'll have the episode live Tuesday about my weekend uh, foot. And then next weekend, of course, uh, the grill session. So 
Again, this is the time where we kind of look back and reflect on all that has happened. And I got to say, if you didn't get to watch these FC Pro matches and you just, you know, are like, you know, put it on the background or I don't even care about the packs or you won't give me the packs anyway, so I'm just not going to watch it. And I'm telling you, you're just shooting yourself in the foot me.